about love is that his love is vast, abundant, and thorough, which might seem like an odd word to describe love, but that's what I really like. I just, while I was praying, I really feel like God wants to talk to us about that. So um, in terms of like the thoroughness of God's love, I I think it's just really important for him to let people know, especially during this time, Christmas season, when um, we celebrate the birth of Christ and his coming to all people, to Jews and Gentiles and to the poor and the powerless. Um, in addition, of course, to those of us with privilege, that um, that no one is left out of that. There's not a single person who Jesus didn't come for, that all of us are included. And when it comes to our lives and the stuff of our lives, all that day-to-day stuff, which might really be pushing in on us right now because the Christmas season comes with more obligations than normal, um, there's no part of our lives that God isn't in, in love with. There's no part of our, our lives that God doesn't want to heal and make whole There's no part of our um, broken world that he doesn't want to redeem. So as we um, go through this uh, Advent season, if you were here last week, you've heard this already. It's a little bit of a trend these days to choose a word to define your year, which really overwhelms me because a year is a long time, and I like things to be new. So I feel like if I were to choose a, a word for the year by December, like next December, I'd be like, oh, you know, simplify. I'm so sick of simplifying or something like that. But as, as I was praying, I feel like God really has a word for our church just for the Advent season, and that word is unhurried. I think God would really like to call us to an unhurried Advent. There are so many ways that we can get caught up in so many aspects of Christmas, and a lot of them are very good. In fact, I'd say most of them are very good. Like, there's a lot of bonuses about Christmas time, but with travel plans and wrapping up work so you can have time off and presents and and budgets and decorations, there can be just a lot of stress. And I think that God wants at least this Sunday morning time to be a time when we really can relax. So we'll end today as we did last week and as we do every week during Advent with um, a prayer together, the examine, and we'll close our eyes and we'll connect with God. And if the Spirit leads you to a nap, you just nap. <laughs> if uh, if you snore and you want somebody to elbow you, maybe sort that out with your neighbor in whispers, you know, before we get to that part. So there, there's your warning. Um, but uh, first, before we get to the exam, and I want to talk a little bit about love. And I think we should turn to Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10, to read about what that prophet has to tell us about Jesus. So let's just read this together. If you have a Bible, of course, you can turn. I've got it on the screen, too. Um, and I really love this verse because if you guys know Branch Epperson, he, uh, he got his name from this verse, which I always think is like really, yeah, isn't that cool? So, um, okay, so Isaiah chapter 11. <clears throat> a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And often when we talk about the fear of the Lord, for a modern mind, when we talk about respect, it's kind of that same thing. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. 
The wolf will live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would be with us this morning. I thank you for the ways that we've experienced your presence already. God, would you speak to us about your great love, about the abundance that you have to share with us and that you can share through us. Lord, I just ask that we can take a deep breath in your presence and that we can rest and that we can just kind of let you work on us right now, that you would restore us and redeem us and bring us health and give us shalom, peace, that we can really connect with you during this holy time. We ask for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I like this passage a lot. Um, but with prophets, sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit more modern than Isaiah is. So a couple of things come up for me. One of them is the part with the animals. In fact, let's just like go back to that. I really like this part. And also it's like, hmm, how much does this have to do with my life? Um, I don't think I've ever even seen a wolf because they don't have them in zoos. So, um, like, I've, I've seen a lion before, you know, in, like, the zoo. But this isn't, like a, like, a part of my life that I'm really worried about. Like, I don't encounter nature in such a way that I often think about, like, how the wild animals all uh, prey upon one another and uh, create danger for my child. So as I was thinking about this, I thought it might be helpful um, for us to consider just a couple of things. One is all of this, like, all these animals will lie down together. The thing that this brings up for me is, is anybody familiar with the children's book Where the Wild Things Are? Yep. Okay. And it's, just, it's like Max, our protagonist, gets in trouble and in his imagination journeys away from home. He runs away and he has made uh, the king of the wild things. And then when he has to leave, they're very sad, and uh, they miss him. And then he gets to eat his dinner, which is still hot. And then he goes to bed, which is why it's such a great bedtime story. And uh, they made a movie of it a few years ago, which is not a children's movie. Please do not watch this movie with your children, because it does a beautiful job. It's very creative. It's very artistic. It's very well done of, like, really addressing... Um, the childhood angst that comes with like divorce and uh, broken marriage and the effect that has on kids because Max's parents are divorced um, and he gets bullied a little bit. And I mean, like, I, yeah, I wouldn't want to watch this with my kids. It's just heartbreaking. Um, but there's a part where he's like with all the wild things and their like grand promise of great celebration will be that we will have the wild rumpus and then we'll all sleep in a pile. And Josh and I are always like, let's just sleep in a pile, especially when our kids like come into our bed in the mornings, just, just sleep in a pile. And it's just like the most wonderful expression of like, ah, oh, this is what it is to be relaxed and to be family. It's Saturday morning and we're sleeping in a pile, especially when they actually fall back asleep. Usually it's just like there's like a an every three second, I want to watch a show, I want to watch a show, I want to watch a show. But, uh, but sometimes they, they fall asleep and we just sleep in a pile and it's like, oh, this is what I thought parenting would be like. 
this is the nice time. So I like to think of all of these animals as the wild things, all sleeping in a pile, just like um, that fantastic children's book. I also think that there is a promise here, particularly about safety for children. So if we were to write this in like a modern way, instead of the infant will play near the cobra's den and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest, we might say something like, and kids won't need car seats and we won't need internet filters and everyone will be vaccinated, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, if you think about, like, what's actually a danger to your child and a reassurance that this will be a world in which there will be no danger for any of your tiniest, most vulnerable people in your community that you worry about so much, they'll be completely, completely safe. Like, what a promise from the Lord about what he's doing by bringing Jesus. Um... Another thing that comes to mind for me in this passage is just that uh, I really like how it is in the message. So I actually included that too, just these last couple of verses. So this is sort of like verse three and a half to five. I just want to read this again in another translation. This is actually a paraphrase. It's what they would say is a little bit more dynamic. It's not like a word for word translation, but a little more like get the idea. Eugene Peterson, who did this, didn't pick up on my cool car seat idea, but it's pretty good. It's just the same. So he says about this part, and I think it is a little confusing that Jesus, when he comes, won't judge with what he sees with his eyes or hears with his ears. I like the way that he says this, um, that uh, he won't judge by appearances. He won't decide on the basis of hearsay. He'll judge the needy by what is right and render decisions on earth's poor with justice. And I just feel like, oh, I feel that in this world, the need for that, especially regarding the poor. I think we have so many societal narratives about, you know, like, why, why are the poor poor? Is it the poor's fault that the poor are poor? Are they deserving or undeserving? And just to say Jesus will just be able to see right through all of that, any, any kind of agenda or anything like that, and he'll judge what, with justice and what is right. His words will bring everyone to odd attention. A mere breath from his lips will topple the wicked, each morning, he'll pull on sturdy work clothes and boots and build righteousness and faithfulness in the land. I love that. And maybe a little bit because, like, workaholism is, like, the sin of choice in my family. But just, like, Jesus is getting to work. He's putting on boots and clothes, and he's going to build righteousness and faithfulness in the land. That just, like, really, like, yeah, go, Jesus. Like, let's get to work. I really, I like that. I'm, like, a very, like, let's work right now kind of time. So it's good to have an unhurried advent when we embrace rest and celebration. Um, but just knowing that, like, you know, the work isn't dependent on us. Like, Jesus is working, and we can just respond to God's love. So much of learning to love is just responding to the ways that God loves us. God's thorough love is not just happy. A lot of his love is about bringing justice to injustice and setting wrongs to right. And I think this is something that we um, can sugarcoat a little bit during Christmas. So for instance, there's this new genre of movie. I don't know if we should call it Hall Flicks or Netmark, but it's like the new Hallmark movies on Netflix. You know what I mean? Um, maybe you've seen a couple of these ones. There are like usually princesses in them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, 
and, and Vanessa Hudgens is a genius. She can play herself in more than one role. And, um, you know, in this first one, it's like she's twins, and one of them is a princess, and one of them is a baker, and they switch lives and predictably fall in love with the dude that the other one is close to in their life, and so they just, like, stay switched because, you know, that's what romance does. And, um, and then this other one, it's actually the sequel, you know, like the first one was A Christmas Prince, and then this one, you know, they get married last time, so of course now they're having a baby, and I really enjoy these. I was talking to a friend of mine about this, and I said, like, the emotional journey of these movies, like, if this is neutral, kind of right here, like, these movies, they kind of, like, tick you up, and then, like, maybe there's a little dip of a non-conflict and another one, and another one, and then details get sorted out, and then just on a high note... And it's all up here, <laughs> you know? I could watch it with my kids. I can watch it in the background while I do anything. I'm not going to have to work hard emotionally to enjoy these films. They're just going to put, like, kind of a candy smile on my face, the cotton candy of the movie world. And I love them. I really enjoy them. I'm not knocking them at all. However, our God doesn't just watch Hallmark movies. Our God gets involved in every aspect of our lives. I think one of the things that makes God's love so poignant is that in, like, the great vat of the human experience that includes so much pain and suffering, God just stirs his love right in, and he draws near to all of it. So another passage about love, and this one, Jesus states, on the night that he's betrayed, the day before he gives his life and dies, in obedience to the Father, Jesus says this to, her, to his followers. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And Jesus is experiencing a lot of emotional pain at this time because Judas has just left to sell him out. Judas, who he spent three years with. Like, if you had a friend for three years, anybody, like, if I've just even known you for three years, I feel like we're friends just by, like, familiarity, you know? And to be able to, to have known someone and to have taught and trained him, performed miracles in front of him, but also, like, with him, empowered him to perform miracles. And then Judas goes and does this thing. I think that my, like, night of my betrayal rant might not be, hey, love each other. It might be more like, you people are the worst, you know? <laughs> like, what does it even take? Also, the disciples are all like, who's going to betray him? I don't know. I don't know. And Jesus is like, the one that I kiss. Kiss. And then Judas is like, I got to go. And he leaves. And everybody's like, who's going to betray him, though, Jesus? <laughs> Who is it? Like, come on, you guys. Just not a lot of critical thinkers <laughs> among the disciples. Or maybe they just couldn't believe it. You know, like it's just such a shock. They couldn't even imagine it. But Jesus, in this pained moment, talks about love. And he talks about our love for each other and how we've just got to extend that to one another. Christmas time comes with some pain right? And some of it is like some mild frustrating pain. I really enjoy um, some, have you ever read like the funny tweets about Christmas decorations? Oh my gosh, like, so I have a love-hate relationship with Twitter. It's changed our society for sure, but like just the, the ability of the average person to be hilarious and then to share that with a wider audience. So for instance, <clears throat> A computer the size of a city block can now fit in your pocket, yet the whole strand of Christmas lights still goes dark when one bulb burns out. This is a good question. This is a good, like, why have we not optimized this yet? Or, my kids want to help me put Christmas lights outside, which is good because I wanted it to take three more hours. 
<laughs> my kids are like helping me decorate the tree now. So now we have like multiple phases. We have like, they'll put on every ornament in like this part of the tree right here. So it's like all green, all ornament, like a stripe of like their eye level and then all green. And then I wait till they go to bed and I shoosh everything around. And then the next day I say, didn't we do such a good job <laughs> decorating the tree? And they say, yes, it's very beautiful. Um, or I think this one really liked to, oh no, oh no, the best one, you guys. All right, let me see if I can remember it from memory. It was really good. It was putting up, the pain of putting up and taking down Christmas lights every year, I think really calls into doubt our claim to be at the top of the food chain, <laughs> which I thought was also like really good. Like, let's, let's reevaluate this human beings. Like, are we really doing so well in terms of like how the species on earth are doing? Because like, I've got a warm home and like a grocery store to get food, but like the wolf and the lamb and the lion and the cobra and all those like little zoo of animals that we were talking about earlier, they're not putting Christmas lights up every year. So... Let's think bathroom. <laughs> so, uh, so we definitely have those frustrations, right? Um, we definitely, let's leave it on like a funny tree so you can reread it if you get bored with what I'm saying. So uh, we definitely have those frustrations or just things that are challenging, you know? Like seeing our family sometimes can be challenging. Uh, making travel arrangements is just the worst. <laughs> Having to like take time off work, like getting to take time off work is wonderful. Having to get everything to a place where I feel good about taking time off work, like that's kind of hard in my, in my job, you know? Like I've, I've started already with emails of like, as I will be out on this day through this day and completely unreachable for two weeks of work, the people who are new at my company are still like, I'll still check email occasionally over the holiday. And I'm like, no, I will not. <laughs> I'll not be checking email. I'm completely unavailable. My internet is going to go down, and it won't come up again until it's in 2020. Leave me alone. Um, so there's some things that can be really hard. Budget and finances can get really tough around this time of year. Like, we've got some of these issues. Another thing about Christmas time, though, is as a holiday like an anniversary, a lot of times this can be um, a period where we have to reprocess or process freshly some of our grief. Even in just our small community, we have people who have lost a parent or a child or a friend or a spouse or a sibling, and this can be a really painful time of, this is the first Christmas without them, or this is the second Christmas without them. And it, like, brings back all those memories, you know, like, in a way that, like, say, October 17th doesn't really do, you know? And I think with that grieving time, it can be even compounded by the fact that you're surrounded by happy people at happy Christmas parties. And maybe even there's a little guilt of, I don't want to hide how I'm feeling from my friends and my loved ones, but I also don't want to be the person who's a bummer in the room by bringing up the person who's not here, who I really miss. Or for those who are close to someone grieving, I don't know if I should bring it up and give them room to process or if they just want me to leave them alone and move on. You know, like these can all be really challenging parts of the holidays. And I think the thing that God wants to tell us is that he's in all of it. He's here for all of it. The frustrating things in the Christmas decorations, the real heartbreak and grief, Jesus is just here for all of it, and he has love to lavish on us, and he wants us to receive that love. God's love can shape us in any context, and Christmas offers a unique context to really grow in this. I have a new... Um, understood or appreciation, I guess, of this fact that we can grow in any context um, because in our life, we now have 
I'll get the number wrong, 268 or something, new uh, obsessions. And they are called Pokemon, and they are Legion. <laughs> There's so many Pokemon. These, like, were created when we were kids, right? Like, when I was a kid is, like, when the cartoon came out, and then there were cards, and now there are video games, and then there are people playing the video games as a video on Amazon. So we, my children watch that. And we sit down for dinner, and I want to hear about you, Ender. I want to hear about how is your day. Who are you friends with? What are you learning? I'm asking the right mom questions. I've researched questions you're supposed to ask your kids at dinner. We ask about their highlights and their lowlights, the sweet, the sour, the service, the savior. How did you experience God's love today? Guess how my kids experience God's love most days? I had this great Pokemon card in this game that I beat someone else with my great Pokemon card, and that's how I know God loves me, which, like... If that's real, I'm all for it, but I kind of feel like this is just sort of a cut and paste of whatever I really want to talk about right now, Mommy. That's how I know God loves me. There are so many Pokemon, and um, I don't really want to, like, learn about all the categories, Legendary GX, I don't know, I don't know. I really, really don't want to tell my children which one is my favorite from a list of four. This is the favorite game. Mommy, which is your favorite Pokemon? A, B, other syllables. C, nonsense word, nonsense word. D, Pikachu. I don't know. Pikachu? No, Mommy. This is my favorite. How do I not get to choose my favorite? But I am noticing there are some things, there are some ways in which my kids are growing. Just a little bit like so reading is definitely like improving because there are a lot of little specifications and exceptions on that card. If you roll the dice, then the damage is more. I don't know. And um, and it's very important for Ender to be able to read those words so that he can advocate for himself when he plays games with older kids. Um, there's also uh, some math, obviously, that needs to be done because if you have 100 health and I have a 60 attack, then the answer is your leftover health is... 40. Good job, class. Well done. So we're getting really good at mental math. And um, oh, we're getting a little more strategic, you know, in terms of thinking about the order of things. There's also an opportunity for character growth here. Because one of the, and this is just a little, just a little mom hack for you moms out there. One of the little things in my Mary Poppins bag of tricks is when we're fighting about Pokemon cards, if you can't get along, I'll take them away. So now, <laughs> when my two sons' interests are counter to each other, I want to win. No, I want to win. Suddenly, we have an overarching interest that is aligned. I want to play, and you want to play. So maybe we need to figure out a way to make this fair so that everything, like all the Pokemon, don't get grounded or sent to time out or something. So, um, so we are. We're like we're building our negotiation skills and et cetera. Etc. And it's just one of those things that I don't think Pokemon is of eternal importance. Um, I really, I'm part of the wrong religion to think that. Um, I actually don't even think Pokemon will have a decade of significance. I think by the time the Bolt is 18 years old, it's not going to be Pikachu and Eevee. I think it's going to be college and maybe girls, maybe what car am I going to drive or what am I going to do with my life? Maybe who can I pray for? Here's hoping, you know, those pastors, kids. Um, but um, but I do think that the reading, the math, the character development, the learning how to cooperate with others in order to have fun, the little community connections that he's having with his friends, making new friends, because did you know that this kid I didn't like at school before also likes Pokemon, and their favorite Pokemon is my favorite Pokemon, and on and on and on. I think these things will serve my child well. So what does Pokemon have to do with God's love? 
that you're probably even, I know, right? It's like, these are funny jokes, Kara, but like, what are we even talking about right now? Um, the thing is, is that I think that Christmas lights do not have eternal significance. I don't. I really like them. I like driving around and looking at them. Um, I, I, I probably don't know that like my work, like I sell software licenses. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to sell software licenses in heaven. I could be wrong. Maybe maybe God uses Jira. I don't know. <laughs> but um, but I don't think he thinks there's one person that got that joke. Um, that's like Jira's the name of the software. Um, but um, yeah, I should have evaluated that before I told that joke. But I do think that a lot of the ways that I respond to frustration at work or that I learn to be patient or that I'm friendly with my coworkers, or I extend God's grace and love, I think those things do matter. I think those things will be a part of my soul forever. As we deal with the frustrations of Christmas, or the stress or the pressure, or even like that deep-seated grief, and I don't know how God's going to fix all of our grief. I don't. I wish I did. I, I asked, um, I remember asking a pastor friend of mine who I really look up to uh, years and years ago when someone who's very close to me wasn't a father of Jesus. And I said, but what, like, how is God going to make this okay if my friend, you know, doesn't get saved? Like, how is that going to be okay? I don't know how that can be okay. And like, I don't want to um, engage in heresy or ignore the Bible or reject, you know, just like the parts of the Bible that I don't like, but I don't know how this will be all right. Like, I'm so stressed out about this person being outside of faith. And my, um, my mentor said, uh, you know, I don't know either, but the more I get to know God, the more confidence I have that he's going to make it all okay and he's going to make it all right in the end. And I don't know how he'll make it all right in the end because these things cause us so much concern and grief and the thought of being separated forever from someone that you love, that's really hard. But I know that we can trust God with this. I don't know how God's going to do it, but I know that we can completely trust him with this. And I think that stuff, the grief and the pain or the frustration or the anger, even the funny tweets and the Pokemon God just can come near to us in every situation, and he can give us an opportunity to receive his love and to extend that love to others and to grow in love ourselves. So we have some tips for our unhurried Advent, and I'm not going to go on about these for too long because I want us to pray together. Um, one is to embrace interruptions uh, and, like, slowdowns, you know, like it's a really long line at the toy store that we're shopping at or, you know, Amazon sent me the wrong thing or whatever else, like all the little things, you know. Um, if we can just embrace those and say, God, I just give you this horribly long line or I give you this, like, ridiculously expensive toy that I don't know if I can afford for my child, I just, I give you this colleague who... They think that they should have the day off before Christmas, and I want the day off before Christmas. God, I just give you this, and I need your help. I think, like, giving God an opportunity to come in in those times is something that really can shape us. Another is to resist unedifying distractions. So this might be, like, vegging out, you know, um, or, like, numbing out with TV or alcohol or food or whatever else, just, like, saying, like, not, like, a good kind of a rest and relaxation, but, like, I just need to ignore the world right now, so I'm going to do something that's mind-numbing so I don't have to deal with the stress. I'd encourage you to resist that. This can also be some of our obsessions. Um, I, uh, I took a week off of reading about the news of the impeachment 
in um, a very risky experiment. And it turns out that after seven days, like, it proceeded almost as if I was reading every single article. Amazingly, I think history was unchanged by my slight reduction in engagement on CNN.com. So <laughs> I'm not saying don't read the news ever. I want us to be an educated population that you know, votes and takes our democracy responsibly. But I think sometimes some of us can get really wrapped up in the news or the stock market or the Pokemon or the perfect recipe or the perfect outfit for the party or the perfect decorations. I mean, there are just so many different things that we can just like pour a little bit too much energy into. Like there's a line called diminishing returns. Let's be aware of that line. As far as getting ready for the party is awesome, awesome. If I'm like obsessing and angry and now I hate all of my guests because you're the reason that I had to, you know, do this ribbony whatever. I, it, that's not true. You saw ribbons. I had a Christmas party. I love my ribbons. I love all my guests. But you know, like, if you hit that point of diminishing returns, just stop. Just stop and pray. Take time with Jesus. Give that time to Jesus. Um, and then the last one would be connect with God. So let's just do that now. Um, we're going to do an examine, and I want to do it a little bit different this time. We've done the examine twice, once last week and then once um, a couple months back. And both times we said, let's just take this morning, Sunday morning, and really, like, take this before the Lord and sort of go through the steps of the examine. What I'd like to do instead this time is if everybody could take a minute to think about maybe something that's going on that's causing stress in the season. So maybe it would be getting ready for a party or a work party or negotiating time off for work or travel or what's going on like a time when you were like reviewing your Christmas budget and maybe feeling a little bit stressed. If there's something about Christmas that's making you feel like, oh, Christmas, I'm ready just for January. Let's just zip through this part because it's really hard or uncomfortable, um, let's, take, let's take a moment like that. And um, as I kind of guide us through this, let's consider that time and really take it before the Lord, okay? All right, so let's all close our eyes. Our first step is we're going to become aware of God's presence. So we're just going to do a breath prayer as we breathe in. We'll just say, God, you are here. And as we breathe out, we think, and I am with you. God, you are here. And I am with you. God, you are here. And I am with you. Let's just let us let ourselves become aware of God's presence. So as we take a moment to think about a part of Christmas logistics or Christmas pain, let us start by faithfully giving thanks to God. And we can think of all of our senses. Thank you for the taste of that, you know, Christmas cookie. <laughs> or thank you for how my, like, child's hand felt touching my hand. Or we can also think of um, things like, thank you, God, for another opportunity to trust you or to rely on you, like kind of those emotional things if things were really hard. So let's just give thanks. Anything we can think of to thank God for, let's give thanks.
third thing we do in the exam is we reflect, we reflect on what emotions we've experienced as a part of this kind of time frame we're thinking of. And one question that we might ask is, did I choose Jesus' way in that situation? And if we did, we can rejoice. And if we didn't, we can repent. But let's just become aware of, like, what feelings were we feeling? Anger or happiness or peace or anxiety? Let's name them and reflect on them. So now it's time to give that to God in prayer. Whatever our emotional state was, whatever we needed help with or were happy with, we just give that over to God and say, Lord, would you do with this what you will? Will you take this from me? Will you comfort me through this? Will you receive this way that I have tried to honor you? Will you just connect with us now, Lord? And then the last part of the exam is to look forward with hope, which normally we look forward to the next few hours of our day because we could do the exam every day, multiple times a day. But I think because we're talking particularly about Christmas stress or Christmas pain, let's think about the next time that we might experience something like that. Maybe this coming week we have a similar situation or maybe this is like a sadness that it will be with us and, you know, additional gatherings or parties or even just quiet times when we're alone by ourselves is going to bring it up again. And so let's look forward to that. Like, let's look ahead to that time and let's ask God to be with us in that and to help us to um, be clothed in wisdom and knowledge of him to experience his love and to share that. And maybe if you were repenting of something before, you can say, God, help me do better next time. I'll just close this in prayer. Lord, thank you so much 
for just giving us this time that we can be together and that we can connect deeply with you. And thank you that you have an absorbed interest in the Pokemons of our life, the details and those little things, and also like the really big things, that you were one who walked on earth with us, that you were a man of many sorrows, and that you don't shy away from grief, but that you draw near to us in that time. God, I just ask that you would cover us with your love and your grace over the rest of our Advent and the Christmas season. Lord, I ask that we would be able to find you and experience your love. Lord, would you make us soft? Would you just make our hearts soft and gracious toward those around you? And when, when the world comes at us with all the prickles and irritations of, of, of a busy time, would you just help us to respond with like an otherworldly love <clears throat> like you have lavished upon us? God, I ask that you would be with us this week and that you'd give us this restful place now that we could just carry with us, that we can be unhurried, and that we can get to know you even better during this time, and that we can celebrate you and honor you and remember Jesus' birth just in a way that you deserve. You deserve all things, God. You are so good. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. We are even empowered to love you by you, and we thank you for that. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining me in that exam. I just really love taking some time to pray together. We probably won't do it like every Sunday for all time, but I think during these seasons especially, it can just be easy to, you know, miss that time or maybe we haven't really built the habit as well as we like and we're probably not going to build it when we're busy. So it's nice to have the time to just do that together. I see like very some very peaceful faces. I feel peaceful too. Um, so we're going to have the worship team come up. We're going to have prayer ministry time if you would please stand. Um, I think I didn't pass, we didn't pass baskets for giving. You did it. You're so awesome. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um, I got nervous. Okay. Um, like, I'm the new pastor. I'm going to forget to receive the money for the church. That'd be bad. Um, so, back there, we'll get you. Um, so, if during that exam anything came up that you'd like prayer about, I think God sometimes can highlight that stuff. If you, especially if you had the feeling, oh, this is too short. I have more to say. Um, I think that's God's, that's exactly what the invitation to come up for prayer looks like. If you feel like, oh no, she's, she's stopping too soon. I have more going on here. Um, would you please come up and get prayer and, uh, let's worship with, let's have one more song and sing to God. <laughs>